Hello and welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where each week, Pastor Jeff Cranston explores biblical theology that provides practical life applications in an understandable way. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker. Before we get started with our episode today, we just want to take a quick pause and thank Sherry for leaving a review. She says this, really enjoying the series on the books of the Bible. Easy to listen to while making my commute to work. Sherry, thank you so much for leaving that review. We're honored to be a part of your drive to into work each week, and we're really glad that you're enjoying this series. We're so grateful for these reviews because that really is what helped gets the word out to other people and let them know about Kitchen Table Theology. I know I've learned a lot in this Bible overview series, so I encourage you, Kitchen Table Theologian, if you've missed any episodes, go back and give those a listen. We started with episode number 143. Let's go ahead and dive in today. Dad, I would normally say hello here, but you told me a moment ago you want to start with a goodbye today. (laughs) What do you mean? Yeah, we just thought we'd do it backwards today. So yeah, just thinking about goodbyes for a second as we start the podcast. And hello again, Kitchen Table Theologian. Appreciate you joining us. And Sherry, thanks for the review. Well, goodbyes are no fun, really. You know, all three of our daughters and their families live between three and a half and four and a half hours away from Darlene and I, and we go to see them as often as we possibly can. But saying goodbye every time we leave always stinks. When just thinking about this past Sunday, I led a small group of family and friends in prayer over one of our teenage young ladies who is going into the army. And, and Tiff, as you and I record this podcast, today is her second day of boot camp. And I, we can only imagine. I texted her mom and dad yesterday to tell them I was praying for them. And her mom said it was one of the hardest things they've ever had to do as parents was to leave her there at Fort Jackson. And I, I know that When we left all three of you girls at college, it was absolutely gut-wrenching for your mother and I. Kitchen Table Theologian, I'm sure you have many stories of goodbyes. Uh, Our our stories would probably be about leaving family members, leaving a job. Maybe it was a house you lived in for a long time. Maybe saying goodbye because of the death of a loved one, or you had a loved one who struggled with Alzheimer's. I recall when President Ronald Reagan announced his Alzheimer's diagnosis. And he pronounced it as the long goodbye. I recently asked our five-year-old granddaughter and your niece, Tiffany, Charlie, what she thought goodbye meant and how goodbyes make her feel. And I extensively probed with this five-year-old little girl. (laughs) And all she would say is that goodbyes make her feel happy. I'm like, I'm not getting this across. Emily, her mom was there and Emily's prodding her a little bit. And so I thought, well, this will get me to what probably really how she feels. I said, so how about when Mama D and I come and we stay at your house for a couple of nights and then we have to leave to go back to our house and we won't see you for a while and we have to tell you goodbye. How does that make you feel? Happy. She's just happy. So (laughs) it, it totally blows my theory about goodbyes making everyone unhappy at some level. So I thought I turned to her three-year-old sister, Lainey. Lainey, you're going to get an honest answer out of Lainey. Lainey, how do you feel when we have to say goodbye? Lainey said, happy. So (laughs) I don't know what's going on up in that house with those two granddaughters, your two nieces, but not everybody apparently thinks all goodbyes are unhappy ones. 
That is too funny. You really have to love what little ones are going to say. You re- you do not ever know, but that's funny. Well, tell us why all of this about goodbyes. Obviously, it has something to do with us looking today at Paul's second letter to Timothy. Yeah, quite simply, this letter is an emotional goodbye from the Apostle Paul. He's really saying goodbye to this world. And he looks back, he mentions some memories, he exhorts Timothy to remain faithful. And then Paul basically signs off and it's a goodbye letter. And this is the last time, Second Timothy is the last time we hear in writing from the former Rabbi Saul, who after his conversion became Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. I know living in a college town and in today's world of college athletics, we've had several hard goodbyes over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Lots of tears shed as we've had to say goodbye to close friends who are moving away. And it really can be emotional. As you just said, this is an emotional goodbye. So let's go ahead and take a look at this goodbye from Paul in 2 Timothy. Can you start with giving us some information about the author, the date this letter was written, and just a little bit more background on the letter? Yeah, and I was going to tell you, y'all have to stop making friends with coaches at Clemson University because... I'm when done they with leave, it. it's yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> but at least it, it gives you other places to go visit when you I go to see I will say it them. has given us lots of adventures. Yes, we've made a few road trips. It's good and bad. Yeah, you get great seating at University of Virginia football games now. We do love going the, up there. Yes, <laughs> the, head, the, head, the head coach and and his wife is your friend. Yes. So what did you ask me? Oh yeah, a little background author, author that kind author. of thing. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, well, starting out with who the author is, let's I'll just start there, points us immediately to Paul as the author, and his protege, Timothy, is the recipient. And as with 1 Timothy and as with Titus, the other two pastoral epistles, the authorship of 2 Timothy has been challenged probably more in the last 200 years than it has in the previous 1,800 years. And again, while some balk at Paul's authorship in 1 Timothy and Titus, very few hesitate to claim Paul as the writer of this letter. I, I don't think, quite frankly, I don't think there's any question about the Apostle Paul writing this letter. And I think most of us probably have a good idea about when this letter was written. You've just told us it's the last time that we hear from Paul. But is there an actual year that we know we can pinpoint to? Well, I don't know about an actual year, but we can get very close. The letter describes Paul being imprisoned in Rome. So most likely then that puts it during Paul's second Roman imprisonment. Therefore, the letter would have been written after 1 Timothy. Obviously, that's why they call it 2 Timothy, but it also (laughs) would have been written after his epistle to Titus. Eusebius, who lived around 300 AD, and Eusebius wrote the very first history of the first three centuries of the Christian church. So that what he wrote was ex- is extremely important to us. He wrote in his work called Ecclesiastical History that Paul was martyred sometime during Nero's reign. Now, we know Nero, he was the Roman emperor. His reign ended in AD 68, but intense persecution of Christians began in AD 64. Since Paul wrote 2 Timothy shortly before his death, it was probably written in AD 64 or 65. Okay, so you said we can place this during the time of the Roman Emperor Nero, who I remember learning was a horrible human being, by the way. Yeah, Uh, he was bad news. 
And then you also mentioned Eusebius. Eusebius tells us that's when Paul was martyred. Right. So as we read the letter, it's obvious that Paul believes the end of his life is near. Fill us in there a little bit more of the background regarding this letter that he's writing to Timothy. Sure. So Paul wrote this letter while in prison in Rome, and he mentions that several have abandoned him in what was a really difficult time for him. This is a very personal letter, by the way. Paul knows he's signing off and, and he's getting ready to go to heaven. But several people abandon what he, and he uses the word abandon, they abandoned me in a rather difficult time. Several others who were co-ministers with him, they were away from Rome, other duties for the church. And during this time, you just get the sense that Paul's having this recollection of the sincerity of Timothy and his friendship and Timothy's devotion. And that sort of begins to flood Paul's memory banks as he's writing this. So we have here a very personal, and a letter, at times it's a little bit intense. But you think, what would I write if I knew I was going to die soon? And I was writing a letter to my someone who'd been like a son to me or daughter to me, what you would write to them. And that's a lot of what we have in Second Timothy. Yeah. I mean, right at the beginning in chapter one, he mentions there's personal prayers for Timothy. Paul references his longing to see him again. He recalls Timothy's teachers and his sincere faith. Which, and I like this too, Paul gives us a little bit of insight into Timothy's family. Says, it first dwelt with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I like that little bit of background too. Yeah, so apparently that's where Timothy heard the Christian message first and foremost was through his mother and his grandmother. And yeah, and we know that Paul's had just mentioned shortly anticipating his own death here. And he says that. The end in chapter four, near the letter's conclusion, he said that he was already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. And then he goes on to speak of his future in heaven and the rewards that are awaiting him there. And there's a real surety with that. It's He doesn't say, gee, I, I hope that all of this that I've done for Jesus, I, I, I sure hope I'll be rewarded. No. He speaks of the rewards awaiting him there in heaven with certitude. And he, he then, he asks Timothy to make every effort to visit him in Rome one final time before Paul is executed. And he fully expected to be executed by the Romans. We don't know if Timothy was ever able to make that visit or not. I know we would all hope that he did, but we're just not sure. But Paul sure wanted to see Timothy one more time. And dad, I know too, I've heard you talk about this. Paul says something here at the end of this letter, which you especially love. Yeah, I do. And it has nothing to do with anything that majorly important. But he tells Timothy (laughs) that if and when he comes, he says, bring my books, especially the parchments. And that, that tells us that although death is imminent, that the timing of his death is uncertain. So presumably, Paul intends to keep studying and writing until the end. And I love that. A lifelong learner and teacher. I also like the fact that 2 Timothy, which we discussed just a second ago, is very personal, which you would expect that in a final letter to a close friend, someone that he has worked closely with for years. And Paul exhorts Timothy to continue in faithfulness. And he points to his own life as an example for Timothy to follow. So what he's calling Timothy to do 
he has already done himself, which I think is encouraging. Let's move a little bit and hit some of the theological themes. It's a really short letter. It's only four chapters, but there is a lot of theology going here is going on here, isn't there? Yeah, there there really is. Let, let me just briefly look at three theological themes. And they will be brief, but they are very important. And I'll draw these three themes from an excellent resource, one which we have often recommended to you here on the podcast, and it's the ESV Study Bible. ESV stands for English Standard Version, the ESV Study Bible. It's well worth having on your desk or your shelf, and you should dip into it as often as you possibly can. The notes there for 2 Timothy share some excellent themes, and those are what I'm going to share with you now. So first of all, there's the theme of suffering amidst faithfulness suffering and misfaithfulness. On four occasions, Paul reminds Timothy, he says, Timothy, suffering is a normal part of the Christian life. And Paul's taking the opportunity to teach young Timothy and you and I as well, kitchen table theologian, that adversity is normal for the Christian in this world. That when we do face different types of hardship due to our loyalty to Christ, we should remember that in any suffering, We are identifying with Christ. And Paul even says, and this in American theology is something not embraced by many. Paul even says that suffering for Christ's sake is one of God's primary ways of spreading the gospel. Tiff, how about reading 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 10 for us, please? Sure. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And there, Paul links suffering for the gospel with its proclamation. And there's another aspect of being faithful amidst suffering, which I believe we too often gloss over, and it's this. Paul's repeated references to those who have abandoned and forsaken him as compared to those who have remained faithful. So there was a suffering for Paul on for the gospel, and it sort of fleshed itself out in lost relationships. We learned that according to Paul, he says, everyone in Asia has deserted him. I mean, that's what well, everyone in Asia? But he's referring to every one of the Christian workers, I guess, that he had been working with in Asia had deserted him. And he names names. When this is the last letter you're writing in your life, I mean, he just tells it like it is. He just calls them out. So we learn about Demas, Christians, and he says, Titus had left. Titus, only Onesiphorus stood by Paul in Rome. In his writing here in 2 Timothy, he tells us, he says, only Luke is with me. So here he is at the very end of his life. I mean, he could have been days away from being executed when he wrote this. And so he's really feeling the loss relationally of those that he had counted on. And Onesiphorus is still in Rome doing ministry, but he really said, only Luke is with me. So the suffering of the Christian, and, and in this case, especially the Christian leader, includes suffering of loneliness, despite your own faithfulness to Christ in the gospel. It happens. And he says it's to be expected. Okay. So one theological theme we see is suffering amidst faithfulness. What's another theme for us? Yeah. These last two will go fairly quickly. The second one will say truth and doctrine. As the ESV says, truth and doctrine. So Paul uses the term 
the truth frequently in the letter. He refers to the gospel as the message that encapsulates the entirety of the Christian faith. And, and then he commands Timothy, he says, safeguard the, de- the deposit that has been entrusted to you, Timothy. And w- what Paul's saying is you've been entrusted with the gospel message. So safeguard it. Don't go away from it. Stay true to it in, in, in doctrine and theology. And, and it's evident from Paul's perspective that the church's existence depends on biblically orthodox theology that upholds the gospel. And it's important to adhere to true doctrine because it's only through true doctrine that allows uh, that we are allowed to perceive Jesus clearly who he is, as he is, the clear doctrine allows us, affords us that opportunity. All right. How about one final theme? I think you said there were three. Yeah. Suffering amidst faithfulness, truth and doctrine. And the third one is, let's go with a wise use of words. Wise use mm-hmm. of words. This is extremely practical. Timothy receives various exhortations from Paul regarding how he can lead God's people wisely. Today's leaders in the church, and all of us, quite frankly, we can learn from this. So Paul discusses the language Timothy is to use, the language Timothy is not to use, and he he cautions him against getting sucked into pointless debates and arguments. I know I see this way more than I want to, fellow theologians, and they they have two and three-day conferences, and some of the conference topics are just, it drives me nuts. Brian and I were talking about that yesterday. They're not major enough. And I'm like, there's a whole world out here to win. And we've, we're tasked to share the gospel. And I'm not really being judgmental because I have enough faults of my own, but nobody, it, it's not changing the gospel what these things are that we're arguing about sometimes, even amongst Christians. And so before I go nuts with this, let me just shut up. <laughs> Paul cautions Timothy against getting sucked into pointless debates and arguments. So instead, He says, Timothy, you've got to firmly but gently correct your opponents in faith and in love. And what Paul says is reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And then he adds this with complete patience. You can tell Paul's had some experience at this. (laughs) So Paul says that should be in the normal conversation, Timothy, of yourself as a leader in the fledgling church that you're pastoring there at Ephesus. So wise use of words, truth and doctrine, suffering amidst faithfulness, the theological themes in Second Timothy. That last one, wise use of our words. That's really definitely something all of us can be working to put into practice in our own lives today. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff. Again, we mentioned this at the beginning, but if you wouldn't mind to leave a rating or review, we would really appreciate it. And that just helps us get the word out for others. Don't forget, you can check out today's episode notes and more at jeffcranston.com. As always, thanks are due to our friends at Low Country Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina, and at Streamline Podcast for making this podcast possible. We are working on an interview that we are super excited about and cannot wait to share that with you soon. But until then, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks for joining us at the table. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. 
And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.